Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> it may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you here in the Kia Studios. Going to be with you for, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take this uh, smartphone. Take the Alexa speakers. Take your tablet. Take your Sega Genesis, your Garmin GPS, your Victrola, whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show is to follow us on our personal Twitter pages. At JMCH316 is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. Producing the show, as always, on the other side of the glass, Day Day is in the house at the D. Lewis for real. So, uh, Day-Day, should we just go ahead and kind of make the announcement? Um, Nothing bad or anything like that. But starting tonight, we will be going for three hours a night. So we will be going from 7 to 10. Uh, Tonight, uh, Jason Longshore comes up with Atlanta soccer tonight. But for the foreseeable future, we will be going 7 to 10 on a, a nightly basis for the show. Now, there will be some tweaks. won't be a whole lot. I mean, you know, we, we still do a lot of stuff in the first couple of hours. But, you know, obviously, let's put it like this, Day-Day. Rank them will right. be affected mm-hmm. because so we will still do rank them on Tuesdays and Fridays like we always do. But we will do it at 940. So it'll be an hour earlier. So FYI, 940 will be rank them. So instead of 1040, It'll be 9.40 when we get to rank them. But by and large, most of the other things will stay the same. We'll do What's Bug and Chuck Reed at 8.40, Falcon Fly over at 8 o'clock, interviews typically at 7.40 and 8.20. Tonight we've got Tori McElhaney joining us here at 7.40. We'll talk to our buddy Bill Bender, uh, National College Football Writer for Sporting News, coming up at 8.20. So by and large, most everything will stay the same, except rank them will be affected because it won't be. Now, I guess we will have to... Uh, make sure, you know, there is a difference between 940 and 1040, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just as far as content goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is <laughs> so just as far as the the dearth of content or, or the depth of content that we can get uh, into. But really looking forward to um, spending three hours a night with you here. And, um, you know, it all starts up tonight. So 
lot to get into with you here uh, this evening. Uh, let's start with the Braves as uh, they lose two out of three in Chicago. Um, Max Fried was outstanding on Friday. We talked about that. And then the starting pitching from there left a lot to be desired. And go look at Bryce Elder's splits in the first 11 games that he started this year. Uh, his first 11 starts were March, April, and May. And literally, it, it's interesting, Dave, how every start in March, April, and May was 11 starts. June, July, and the start that he made yesterday or day before Saturday uh, in August, that's also been 11 starts. His first 11 starts, a 1-9-3 ERA with, what was the number I saw? 56 to 19 strikeouts to walks. His last 11 starts, 5-0-7 ERA, 32 walks to 22 strikeouts. So where he's, he was almost 3-1 to one strikeout to walk early in the year, he's barely even 1.5 to 1 over his last 11 starts. His ERA, first 11, sub 2. His ERA, his last 11, over 5. That's a big difference. Now, again, rookie pitchers are going to go through a lot of this stuff. I talked about this on my podcast this morning. You're going to have rookies that are going to up and down and bounce around. Look, look at how many rookies have just kind of started off hot, then get cold, then get hot, and it's just the nature of the beast, right? But, you know, as we're trying to win a World Series here, you know, again, we're going to need Bryce Elder, not even so much for the regular season because, again, the <laughs> Day-Day, how, how far ahead of the curve were we on this? It's now 10 and a half games over Philadelphia, 14 over the Fishnets, and the Mutts are 21 and a half back. How about the Mutts? They've lost six in a row, three and seven in their last 10. The uh, uh, Fishnets are three and seven in their last 10, having lost four in a row. And the Philadelphia Phillies are only six and four. The Braves are six and four as well. And it's been a disaster of a division. It, it's a joke of a division. So it's not even so much winning the division. It's about looking ahead to playoff baseball. And the big thing about Max Fried is the fact that they now have a left-handed starter in their rotation. Go look at the Dodger lineup. Actually, go look at the Dodger lineup for about the last six years, and you'll see what I'm talking about. A lot of lefties in that lineup. The Muncies and the Freemans and guys like that. A lot of lefties over the years in that lineup. You want your left-handed starters. You want the Brad Hands of the world, who lefties are hitting a buck forty-three off of this year. You want guys like that. So again, this is a bigger fish to fry than just winning the division at this point, because the division's a joke. The Phillies are a joke. The Mutts are a joke. The Marlins are a joke. It's over. It's been over for a while. Now you're just in cruise control trying to get through the season without getting anybody hurt. So the Braves will start a series with Spencer Strider here as they are literally ready to uh, get first pitch underway. They will be in Pittsburgh starting tonight, who the Pirates right now are nine games back in their division, 50-61 and 61 on the season. Uh, they're below 500 at home. Um, they're a minus 78 run differential. That's one of the worst in the National League. I think that's third worst in all of the National League. Yeah, the Rockies are minus 158, and the um, uh, Nationals are minus 83. Pittsburgh is third in the National League with the worst run differential in the National League. So, again, this should be looking at three out of four if you're the Braves. I don't care if you're on the road or not. And obviously, Spencer Strider, um, you know, again, just continuing to get closer and closer to that season strikeout mark of 276 by John Smoltz. Ronald Acuna is still red hot. He's been amazing. Um, but, you know, look, it was what it was in Chicago. Started off really well, didn't end very well in the last couple of games. So 
we'll keep you up to date here about what um, Spencer Strider is uh, is able to do um, in this game. Um, your lineup uh, tonight is hold, please. Um, lineup for this evening: Ronnie, Ozzie, Riley, Olson, Murphy, Ozuna, Rosario, Arcia, Michael Harris, and of course Spencer Strider on the mound, who does lead in two of the three Triple Crown categories for pitchers, right? Day-Day, do you know what the Triple Crown categories are for pitchers? No. All right. Wins, ERA, strikeouts. That's the Triple Crown of pitching, okay? Uh, You know, in batting, it's homers, RBI, and batting average. It's wins, strikeouts, and ERA in pitching. There have been several guys that have done – over the year. I think Clemens did it uh, in his Cy Young year in 86. I think he led the league in wins, ERA, and strikeouts. But, again, it's been done multiple times. Sandy Koufax, I think, did it three times in his career. So, anyway, so Strider leads in two of the three. That's why I say he's the leader in the clubhouse right now for the Cy Young. Outside of Zach Gallon, tell me anybody who's in the same stratosphere that Spencer Strider is. Yeah, his ERA is a little bit high, but, again, when you win that many games and you strike out that many guys, um, you know, the, the only problem has been the contact, the home run ball. Uh, really, I mean, strikeouts to walks and everything else, and, you know, it's been really good, but the, the home run ball has been the thing that's affected him. And he's literally giving up three – he's literally given up three times as many homers this year as he did last year. So that's been the one bugaboo for him. So um, I've not surveyed the Pirates lineup enough to tell you about who can do anything or not, but they stink. Let's face it, the Pirates stink. They'll always stink. They're never going to spend any money on their roster. So they stink, 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 stink. So anyway. Uh, One last practice for the Falcons before they head down uh, to Miami. And I think right now they're actually about to board a plane uh, for Miami. So they will be in Miami for the next couple of days to practice with the Dolphins. And then, of course, Friday night, believe it or not, Friday night, Falcons-Dolphins preseason game number one. And we'll have all of your coverage right here on the home of the Atlanta Falcons, Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Pre-game will start at 5 o'clock. Kickoff will be at 7. Wes and Dave will have the call for all of that. Um, and so, you know, again, we get another season underway. And look, I know it's going to be overreaction to whatever happens. Pay more attention to the practices over the next two days. Pay more attention to the practices that are going to happen over the next two days versus whatever happens in game number one. Whatever happens in game one is what it is. It's not going to have any bearing, but watch the practices and see what's happening in the practices. That's where NFL teams are really starting to kind of figure what their team is and is not in some of these practices. So Dolphins and uh, uh, Falcons will practice for the next couple of days, and then Friday it will be game day. So, uh, again, we'll have all the action right here on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Uh, We'll talk to our buddy Bill Bender coming up at 820, National College Football Writer for uh, Sporting News, and um, a a very topsy-turvy world in uh, college foosball right now. We did see the coaches poll, and we'll talk about that later on in the show, but Coach's poll did come up. No surprise, Georgia is number one. I'm a little bit surprised that Michigan is as high as they're ranked at number two. But, I mean, they have their quarterback back in McCarthy, right? They have Blake Corum, who is, I don't know, one of the four or five best players in all of college football. When healthy, when healthy, he's one of the best players in college football. Let me tell you what's going to be fun this year in the Big Ten is – Who's going to be the player? Who's going to be the offensive player of the year in the Big Ten? Will it be Blake Corum or will it be Marvin Harrison Jr.? And by the way, there's a definite chance. Say what you will, Marvin Harrison Jr. may be the number one pick in the NFL draft. He might be the number one pick when all is said and done because he's that good of a player. Um, You know, again, I know the quarterbacks, Drake May and guys, but still. Marvin Harrison's talent is immense. And in a league that is rewarding wide receivers in today's game, it would not surprise me if he ends up being the number one overall pick. Um, you know, again, could be quarterback, but 
We've got a long way to go before we even get uh, to that point, but that will be fun. But uh, Alabama was three, uh, Ohio State number four. No real surprise. Um, I think Florida State's a little bit low at eight, although they are the highest-ranked ACC team in the coaches' poll. So I think they deserve that. I think they're going to win the ACC this year. And it's going to feel like some old-school Florida State football. It's a very talented team that Mike Norvell has got down there. Very talented team. And I think that they could be the sleeper playoff team when all is said and done uh, coming out of the ACC. So, And, again, no more divisions in the uh, ACC. It's just take the two best teams and plug them into the ACC title game and see what happens. Find out what happens. All right, when we get back, here's what we got. 404-726-0929. Going to open up the phone lines to you. Who's going to lead the Falcons in tackles this year? I'll explain and give you my thoughts coming up next. Chuckery hanging out with you in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, back at a Chuckery Show, hanging out in the Kia Studios with you on this Monday evening. 404-726-0929. That is both our phone line and it is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. So we're going to open up the phone lines to you. Who's going to lead the Falcons in tackles this year? You know, this is the first time that I can remember in a handful of years where the Falcons don't necessarily 
have a high-volume tackler. You know, think about over the last handful of years, however long it goes back, but whether it's Deion Jones, whether it's Devondre Campbell, whether it's Foyer Aluakin, whether it's Rashawn Evans, the Falcons don't have that typical high-volume linebacker that makes a lot of tackles, that can make you 150 to 200 tackles in a season. And I'm wondering if Troy Anderson becomes that guy. Now, I think that he finished for the Falcons, I think fourth or fifth on the Falcons in tackles this past season. But if you look fifth on fifth in tackles, okay, and I think Michael Walker was fourth, was he not? So it was Rashawn. Third. It was Rashawn Evans. Uh, he was he was what number day day? Uh, Walker was third. Yeah, Richie Grant was second in tackles. Hawkins was um, was fourth, and then Troy Anderson was fifth. Now look at the numbers between Rashawn Evans and Troy Anderson. And again, I'm not again. Part of that is the playing time, right? I mean, the fact that Troy Anderson got to work his way in and all this, that, and the other. But still, when let me put it like this. Troy Anderson only had eight more tackles than Grady Jarrett did, who's an interior defensive lineman. And I'm going to be curious to see, because we really haven't talked too much about the linebacker core itself. We've talked about Caden Ellis and about whether or not he can get to the quarterback. But if you just go through that list of guys I just gave you over the years, Devondre Campbell, Deion Jones, Foyer Lewican, Rashawn Evans, those guys accumulated a whole crap ton of tackles. Remember, I think Foyer in his final season led the NFL in tackles, and I think Devondre Campbell led the NFL in tackles the year before that. So, again, they don't necessarily have a immediate guy that jumps out to you and says, hey, this is a high-volume tackle guy. Now, here's the thing, too. I don't want Hawkins and Grant or Jesse Bates or anybody like that leading our team in tackles. Um, you know why that those guys were as high up on tackles as they were? Because our pass defense was so bad. I think we were like either the worst or second to worst pass defense in the NFL last year. If, if that's the trade-off as to Hawkins and Grant or who, whatever safety having a lot of tackles, I don't want to be the worst pass defense in the NFL. I don't want guys roaming free and running around free because we can't cover everybody because, oh, yeah, yeah, we can't sack the quarterback. Yeah, I I, I keep forgetting uh, about that, that, you know, we have trouble sacking the quarterback. So, anyway, um, and again, and I don't want to put too much emphasis on sacks or anything like that. I don't want to, you know, say that, you know, again, sacking the quarterback. The more you look at the uh, advanced what? analytics uh, – the more you see how valuable sacks are. Okay, all right. Yeah, because they also help your secondary out. It it doesn't work the other way around. It's not 1978, folks. It doesn't work the other way around. Your secondary doesn't help your pass rush. Your pass rush helps your secondary. It's not vice versa. You're not going to cover everybody in the NFL for five and six seconds in today's football. Okay, you could do that when it was Cliff Branch and Fred Bolitnikoff and maybe Dave Casper running around out in patterns. You could do that. Not in today's NFL when there's four, five, six guys running all over the field. Everybody's all spread out everywhere. You're not going to be able to cover guys that long. So, again, I don't want Hawkins and Grant or Jesse Bates, you know, being as high up in tackles because that's not a good thing. When your defensive backs have to make all the tackles, and it's not because those guys were down in the box blowing up plays in the backfield. By the way, Richie Grant had three tackles for loss. Hawkins had no tackles for loss. So between two guys, they had three tackles for loss. That ain't blowing up plays in the backfield, folks. That ain't getting after everybody in the backfield. They had three tackles for loss, and they combined for two quarterback hits. So again, I'm wondering whether or not if a Troy Anderson or a Michael Walker. Now, I will say with Michael Walker is that that's a guy that certainly is a pass coverage type of linebacker. He is a ball hawk. I will give him that. I mean, that's that's the way he was in college, and I will give him you know credit. 
He had six passes defended last year. That's a pretty good number for a linebacker. That's as much as Hawkins had last year, and only one less than Richie Grant, whose primary job is to cover people. So Michael Walker had six passes defended. That's a pretty strong number for a guy, for a linebacker especially. So, again, I think his best suit is being in pass coverage, not necessarily coming up to the line of scrimmage and being a high-volume tackler. And I think that that's going to fall on the shoulders of Troy Anderson. And, look, I like Anderson, but let's be honest. At times, Troy Anderson was lost on the football field. And that's not unusual. That's nothing to be you know ashamed of or afraid of or what have you. Guys as rookies, when they play a good bit, get lost at times. I'm not concerned about that part of it. But he was lost at times on the football field. And can he turn that around in a year to where he can be? Look, Rashawn Evans had 159 combined tackles. Troy Anderson had 69 combined tackles. That's a pretty good jump. But somebody's got to tackle people, right? I mean, somebody's got to tackle people. And I don't want it to be Hawkins and Grant being two of our top four tacklers. I want Troy Anderson and Michael Walker and, you know, Lorenzo Carter or guys like that that are tackling everybody else. I don't want all my corners and safeties being as high up on the tackle list. So, and again, Caden Ellis, by the way, if you're wondering, he was fifth on the Saints in tackles last year. He was fifth on their team in tackles last year. He had the seven sacks, and I'll be honest with you, I'm more focused on can he rush the quarterback. I'm not worried about Troy Anderson getting to the quarterback and getting sacks. He had no sacks last year. Okay, He had had no sacks, and he had three quarterback hits, but no sacks, and he had three tackles for loss. So that's a good number, you know, considering how much he really played, considering that, you know, he didn't play nearly as much as some of those other guys from a snap percentage standpoint. But is he a guy that can come in and influence the game the way that some of these other linebackers have over the years? Say what you will about Deion Jones. It definitely flamed out here. But at one time, he was looked at as the blueprint for what linebackers are supposed to be in the NFL. Not so much a physical running back, but run sideline to sideline, be able to cover, and be a sure-handed tackler. And then Devondre Campbell, we talked about him last week, where he talked about how valuable that some of those guys were on their defense. Look, he was a high-volume tackler. He was a guy who played all over the field. He could run and hit and do a little bit of everything. Foyer was another guy. You know, Foyer was probably an underappreciated guy in a lot of ways for what his contributions were, and he parlayed that into a really nice contract from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So give him credit that, that he was able to take his success here in Atlanta and parlay that into a really good contract. And say what you will about Rashawn Evans, former first-round pick out of Alabama. You know, he's a guy that I, I said last year he would lead this, lead, lead this team in tackles because he just, again, is one of those high-volume tackling kinds of guys. And the fact that Dean Pease was so enamored with him that he couldn't believe that he was available to be picked up for the Atlanta Falcons. And I wonder how much Ryan Nielsen, you know, we obviously we obviously saw in the couple of years that Dean Pease was here that he gave young guys a very limited chance to succeed or to be able to play a whole lot, right? He did not put them in scenarios where they weren't going to succeed. And, and a lot of time, guys, you know, I'll, I'll say Ebicady was a guy. I always point to him. Ebicady should have had more than one start. There was no reason not to start Arnold Ebicady when you were as deficient as you were at sacking the quarterback. There was no reason to not have Arnold Ebicady start more games. And especially as you got down the stretch and you were out of the playoff scenario, even though they were kind of kidding themselves that they were actually in the playoff scenario, but they weren't in the playoff scenario. Could have started Ebicady more there, even at the behest of you know, whoever, you know, uh, Lorenzo Carter or, you know, somebody like that. So, I, again, and we'll ask Tori this question coming up here, but 
you know, when you look at this team, they just don't have that guy that jumps out to you as far as who's going to be a high-volume guy. I'm hoping Troy Anderson, obviously he's a second-round pick. We know he's got the talent. We know he's got the speed. We know he's got the physicality. He's got the raw tools. But can he put it together? Can, can he put everything together? Because, again, that's a lot of pressure for just a second-year player who only made five starts for you last year. To be really that anchor on your defense that puts a lot of you know people to the ground, whether it's tight ends, running backs, receivers, who have quarterbacks, whatever. Whatever. It's a lot of pressure for him to be that guy that all of a sudden he's a 150, 180 tackle guy. Like, that would be a massive jump, and I I hope it happens because somebody's got to tackle everybody, right? At the end of the day, somebody's going to get the accumulation of the tackles, and I don't think it's going to be Caden Ellis. I don't think it's going to be Lorenzo Carter. Again, I hope it's not our corners and safeties that are that high up. That that, that was a bad sign last year when you had to have your two starting safeties finish second and fourth in tackles because you weren't a good pass defense and teams were willing to run it at you or obviously throw it at you a a high-volume amount of times. But if there's not – I don't know if there's a a standout guy that just jumps off the page at me that says, hey, this is that guy that's going to get you – 150, 175, 180 tackles at the end of the year. Like I said, I hope it is Anderson, and I hope that Troy Anderson is a guy that steps his game up. We talk a lot about this on the defensive side of the football. There is definitely talent there, but it's not necessarily a lot of talent that we have seen perform at a high level. Not necessarily talent that we've seen take over some things. Let's grab Kevin uh, before we get to break. What's going on, Kevin? Hey, John. uh, Enjoy what you have to say. I'm glad there's other Falcon fans out there such as myself. Um, It's a great question. When you ask the question, who's going to lead in tackles, my first thought was Trey Anderson also. And then it occurred to me, won't it really factor in on how the defensive line does? Because up to this year, and we haven't seen the new guys play except on reputation. But if the defensive line, other than Grady, in addition to Grady, if the defensive line is doing what they're supposed to do, holding up the offensive players, creating roadblocks, that'll open up the lanes for the linebacker core, whether it's Trey or Michael or whomever, to get to the tackles. But if in years past, if I'm not mistaken, because I am driving, sorry, if our, our defensive line, or the offensive line of our opponents was focusing on Grady and the rest of the defensive line was being held up. So the linebackers were being blocked downfield. So my point is, and I'll let you go, thank you for taking my call, is that I think the defensive line is going to create the roadblocks required so we can have a standout lead tackler. And in my opinion, it will be. Troy Anderson. So thank you for your time, John. Yeah, and and look, if you look at the if you look at the Saints last year, Demario Davis led them in tackles. The Honey Badger was second, Warner was third, and Caden Ellis was fourth, and then Cam Jordan was fifth. So it's linebacker, safety, linebacker, linebacker, defensive end. Like that was the guys that were running around and creating all of the tackles. And Honey Badgers, I mean. Do we consider him sort of unique? I mean, he's a guy that's never been afraid. Even with his stature, he's never been afraid to stick his nose into a play, right? Like he, like he's a an aggressive safety. I, I hope our guys can become that, but he's an aggressive safety. So we'll ask Tori this question when we get back. When we come back, Tori McElhaney will join the program. Chuck, we hanging out in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Monday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, Falcons foosball is officially underway on Friday as Falcons-Dolphins will get together in Miami. Before then, though, the Falcons will have a couple of practices tomorrow and on Wednesday with the Dolphins, so that uh, that will be more probably probably to be honest with you more interesting than even what the preseason game has to offer. But let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney, covers all things Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. You can check her out on our personal Twitter page at Tori underscore McElhaney. Tori, as always, appreciate a few minutes on the show tonight. Hi, how are you? I am great, and I'm going to ask you the same question that I ask my listeners. You know, this is the first time in probably a good handful of years that the Falcons don't necessarily have an automatic high-volume tackling linebacker. Devondre Campbell, Foyer Aluakin, Deion Jones, Rashawn Evans. Who leads this team in tackles this year? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, you kind of – are looking at it and you know every time I, I think it was Foyer that I was talking to a couple of years ago when he was talking about leading the NFL at the time with the most uh, tackles in a season and I remember him saying like you know some people would not be very pleased that the ball's getting to my level and so I think I kind of used that as a jumping off point with the fact that like why can't it be someone on this defensive line, you know, I think that would be an, an absolute goal for, for this group. If they, if they're so good at stopping the run or anything like that, that the leading tackler is on the very first level of the defense. So who's to say that? But I think if you're really kind of breaking it down and you're going more traditional in terms of the middle linebackers, I, I think the guy would have to be, you would hope that it would be Troy Anderson, but I, I think that's, you know, something that he'll kind of have to come into his own with. And, and you know, Tori, it, it's interesting because in looking at the Falcons' leading tacklers last year, I mean, Rashawn Evans had a very high volume. I think it was almost 160 tackles. But second and fourth on the team were the two starting safeties. And I bring right. that up because if you look at the Saints last year, three of their four starting, uh, three of their four highest tacklers were linebackers. Ellis was fourth. Um, Demario Davis was was number one. And then the only one that was an oddball, but not really an oddball, is Honey Badger. You know, Tyron Matthew, who's kind of a unique kind of player, just in the sense that he's never afraid to stick his nose into things. So, you know, again, I'm going to be curious because I think Troy Anderson has the biggest opportunity to really make an impact on this defense this coming year. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's what they would hope for a guy who they they drafted, you know, last year and was able to to kind of help him along and started the last four games you kind of hope that there's a jump with him from year one to year two I know that's something he would like for himself as well I mean so all of these things that we're saying I think goes in line with kind of what they hope the goal of of Troy Anderson as a second year player can be And, and you know Tori you were one of the first people that I remember writing about the positionless football and it's funny now the national media is kind of, you know, latching on, you know, to all of that. But we are certainly seeing that. And, you know, it's – I don't know how much we're going to obviously see in this first preseason game, but I am very curious to just see 
how guys line up, whether they have success or whatever happens. I'm going to be curious just to even watch the configuration of where guys line up with on on their offensive side of the football. Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't think we're going to see very much in terms of finagling all these different guys in all these different positions or in these different sets or anything because I think Arthur Smith kind of wants to hold that to his chest to wait for week one when the Carolina Panthers are out there. I, I think he doesn't want to give any state secrets away to an NFC South rival in, in the Carolina Panthers come week one. So as much, I think, as we can say, you know, we're looking forward to joint practices and, you know, the preseason games. I, I'm just honestly curious how much Arthur Smith is actually going to show of what this offense can do. Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joining me on the WadeFord.com hotline. Calais Campbell was back uh, today. Uh, I would assume no issues, no problems for week one. Um, I, I guess, you know, everything is on track and he'll be ready for week one when, uh, when play actually gets for real. Yeah, I, I assume that would be the case. I mean, he's back on the active roster as of, I think, 4 o'clock today. So that means he passed his physical and that he's, he's ready to go. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, if we see him out of joint practice. I don't know how much they would rev him up just because this is a guy who's been playing for well many years past the decade mark. So I don't know how much they're going to rev him up this week. But I think just the fact that he's on the active roster again and off NFI, I think that's a good – Good sign all the way around. With the Jeff Okuda injury, and it was good news over the weekend just from the standpoint of is that it sounds like he'll be back sooner than later. But do you think the plan is to kind of play one guy? And let, let's just let's just for argument's sake say Trey Flowers, who was out there the other day that he was taking the reps with the ones and stuff like that. Or could this be an opportunity to kind of – see what everybody's got. I mean, even Clark Phillips and people like that to really kind of give a chance to, okay, maybe not even going to be the starter when Okuda comes back, but just see what you've got in some of these guys. Yeah, no, I think, and that's why these next three, they're the three preseason games. That's the best opportunity to really kind of try your hand with a few of these guys, namely Trey Flowers, Mike Hughes, Clark Phillips, the third. I mean, all those, those three guys mainly you would want to see more of in hopes that when you get to week one and you know maybe Jeff Okuda isn't fully back for another couple weeks after that. I know Arthur Smith didn't put a timeline on his return, but he just said early weeks of the season. So you, you're you kind of planning to go into the first game and maybe the first two or three games without Jeff Okuda. So how much can you get out of guys like Trey Flowers and Mike Hughes and Clark Phillips before you ever even get to that point to where you can make a decision as to who you want playing opposite A.J. Terrell and how you can rely on those type of guys. This is the time to find that out. Do you sense that, you know, if the starting offensive line runs out there for a series or two or whatever it's going to be the plan, do you expect to see Matthew Bergeron at left guard a whole bunch? I mean, I would figure that this is going to be an opportunity where, again, sink or swim, just kind of getting his feet wet in this thing and, and let him play a high volume of snaps come Friday night. Yeah, I, again, I go back to the I, I care more about seeing him with the ones in joint practice, more maybe more so than I do in, in the preseason game on Friday. I also think that we don't necessarily know the status of Matt Hennessy right now. Arthur Smith said last week that he's day-to-day, so what does that realistically look like? I mean, all, all of those things I think are factors in it, but I do think that, it, you know, just even if Matt Hennessy were to come back, I don't know if he automatically – goes back in at that starting left guard spot. I think you give Matthew Bergeron this chance to go up against some really good front line defenders with Miami and over the next two days of joint practices and see how he stands up and see kind of what the jumping off point is for him. So I, I think this is going to be a really, really good test to see where Matthew Bergeron is in his overall development. You know, another guy I'm very interested to see, and, you know, obviously things did not work out well his rookie year, but – Jalen Mayfield, and, you know, again, back at tackle, you know, how much run do you think he gets in a game like this? How much How much do they kind of, you know, take a look at what he can do or, you know, playing back at his natural position? Because, look, they do have a third-round pick in him, and I don't know if he's going to make the final roster, but it will be interesting to see if going back to his natural position is a benefit to him. Yeah, no, I, I think you, you give him quite a bit of, of run with, you know, this 
over the course of the next two days of joint practices and then again on Friday night against Miami for the preseason game. I mean, I, I'd love to see a ton of reps, a ton of snaps from a guy like Jalen Mayfield back at that tackle position where we all know that's where he played in college. That's probably where he still would have been playing in college if he would have foregone the the NFL draft when he did. I mean, this is a guy who, even though he's, you know, in his third year in the league, he, he could still technically be in college. Um, but I, I think, like, seeing him work back in a position that he is arguably most comfortable with, I know I'm really looking forward to seeing that, especially in a more live-type setting, to see, okay, how more – how much more comfortable is he in that spot in comparison to what we saw from him in his first year at left guard where he was kind of thrown to the wolves because of injuries. So what can he do with an opportunity to go back and play kind of in his home area? Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joining me on the waitfor.com hotline. Is the plan to rotate as many guys at punt return as they can, or do you think it's they feature one guy per game over the three games in preseason. What do you think the punt return plan is going to look like through the preseason? Personally, I, I'd kind of like to see everybody that we've seen. So there's about six different guys that have really taken the full force of the punt return reps over the course of OTAs when Avery Williams got hurt and through the first couple weeks of training camp. I want to see all of those guys as much as I can. So if it's, you know, break it up into, okay, this guy gets, a half this guy gets a half we'll go to week two and go to preseason game two and you get a half you get a half I don't know how you break it up but I want to be able to see these guys returning punts consistently because I do think that this is a pretty stout competition in terms of who's going to be that guy and, and when it comes to somebody like a let's just throw out a name Penny Hart who's fighting for a roster spot or as a receiver if he can go out and be the punt returner, then that you know adds value to him making the 53-man roster. But you're also talking about guys like DeAlford and Mike Hughes, even Bajon Robinson, who I don't want to see return a punt in the preseason. If you want to make him your punt returner in the regular season, sure, go ahead, but I don't want to see that in the preseason. But there are just a lot of different guys who have an opportunity to kind of make this what he does and kind of hold, hold his own in, in this punt return game. So I personally want to see as many as I possibly can. Forgive me for not remembering, but who is at this point with no Felipe Franks anymore, who is kind of the emergency quarterback? I mean, once we get through Taylor Heineke, who's next up on the depth chart for the Falcons? Logan Woodside, who was okay. at, he was with the team, you know, at the yeah, back end of last year yeah. after Marcus Mariota yeah. went on IR. Yeah. I, I mean, is, do they have any other arms in camp? I mean, do, is there anybody that, you know, is a rookie or an undrafted free agent that's potentially going to get a chance to just even throw in camp or throw in preseason games just as somebody to just kind of watch and see what they can do? I mean, personally, I don't think they need anybody else. You have Desmond Ritter, you have Taylor Heineke, you have Logan Woodside. I mean, those are three capable arms right there in terms of like maybe bringing someone in from a different position. I don't necessarily feel like that's the case. I know Last year, if we were talking about, like, what the Falcons went into last year with, they had Marcus Mario, Desmond Ritter, and then, of course, Felipe Franks. Well, Felipe Franks, at that time, very rarely took any quarterback snaps at all, but then he had to go out in the preseason games and play because they didn't want to use Marcus too much. And so uh, I don't – I feel like they're completely fine with having Des and Taylor and and Logan in that quarterback room and and kind of taking the brunt of of the reps in preseason. So outside of Drake London, Matt Collis, who are the wide receivers that you're going to be particularly watching, um, you know, as, as the backup kind of guys, third guys, fourth guys, things like that? If we kind of figure that those two are the first two guys, who are the other wide receivers you're going to have your eye on? Yeah, definitely going to be looking at Scotty Miller, Kaderil Hodge. I feel like those four, along with, you know, Matt Collins and Drake London, those four guys are kind of locks in my mind. According to how many people the Falcons decide to keep at that position on the 53-man roster, you're only looking at one, maybe two spots that some other guys are fighting for. So in terms of some bubble guys that I've I've been really interested in seeing, I go back to Penny Hart. He's someone who I think the Falcons, you know, picked up this offseason and somebody who I think has a shot and making this 53-man roster, especially if he can add value in special teams. But then there's also a guy like Frank Darby, who this regime drafted three years ago in the seventh round. And, you know, when the pads came on last week, I thought he looked really, really good. 
made some really good catches, and he's fighting for, for a roster spot. So there are a few different guys who I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of make the preseason what they need in order to make this 53-man roster. Tori, last question for you. How important is a game like this for D'Angelo Malone, who's really kind of kind of flown under the radar? Uh, everybody I've talked to at camp has been saying that, you know, he's maybe a little bit lighter in the dumper. Um, but, you know, again, getting kind of lost in the pass rush shuffle and for a team that still needs guys that can sack the quarterback, how important is this preseason for him? Yeah, it's really important. I mean, this is a guy who's, you know, we talk about fighting for roster spots. I, I do kind of always kind of pencil him in on, on the roster if I'm breaking it down in 53-man. But I think for him, it's really more about this coaching staff kind of figuring out what his strengths are, how they can use him. He's kind of been playing a little bit of a Sam or a Jack kind of role in this defense, and they've been moving him around and then playing more traditionally outside. So this is a guy who I think they're actively searching for, okay, what can we do to put this guy in the best possible position for his playing style? And, and I think that's what this preseason is, is all about, and that's why I'm really excited to see kind of the different spots he is in come Friday night and even, you know, in the next couple weeks too. Check out all of her work at AtlantaFalcons.com. Tori McElhaney joined me on the WadeFord.com hotline. And Tori can be found on her personal Twitter page at Tori underscore McElhaney. Tori, as always, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for a few minutes. We'll chat again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. When we come back from the top of the hour, we'll be time for the Falcons flyover. Get to all the news and notes from the Atlanta Falcons. Again, including Calais Campbell activated today. Chuck Green Kia Studios. Sports Radio 929 The Game, Odyssey.com app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.